Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And as promised, we've got a wonderful show today. We're going to be meeting with Paul Selig. Now, Paul wrote this great book. I've been reading it, Linda, and I actually understand it, which is really big for me, because uh, we know that, you know, some of this psychic medium, you know, channeling things are really difficult for me to understand. But he wrote um, the Book of Mastery, and I'm about, I don't know, 80 pages into it. It's a Tartar Penguin uh, book, so we know, you know, that we're in for a treat when we get one of those. But one of the things, Linda, that I I realized when I was reading this book, and it kind of hit me over the weekend, um, was that what's the point of all these spiritual texts, whether I'm in church on a Sunday morning or, you know, reading a book in the bathtub or listening to a radio show, if we don't take something away from the show and actually apply it? Like, what's the difference between watching a Big Bang Theory and learning spiritual mastery if we don't apply it? And what I found is that I haven't really made a conscious effort um, until recently to make sure that I take something concrete away with it and and start applying it because otherwise it's just like like spiritual entertainment goes in one ear and out the other. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, all good things take some effort, um, and and you have to do it. I've been uh, meditating now for the past seven weeks. I keep adding a week every time we talk about it, um, every day, because this is something I know that I have to do. I want to raise my vibration, and the way that I'm going to do that is to is to sit quiet and 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 hopefully tune into the best part of me so that I get the insights that I I, I really I'm looking for. Well, and I think that's a much kinder way than being knocked on the head with some sort of trauma. You know, some of us who have been through uh, big traumatic situations in our lives have a spiritual awakening or have an opening of certain abilities, you know, as a result of trauma. I know that happened with me. It's happened with a lot of our guests and um, and it's happened with, with Paul Selig, our guest coming up. And you know, the softer side of meditation and quietness is, I think, a much gentler way to awaken yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't think that we have control over what's coming down the pike. The only thing we have control over is how we're going to react to it at the time. And, you know, I'm getting very, very, very excited about um, our, our guests that have been on the show and guests that I've seen on other shows that are now, you know, they're smart. You know, they're, they're, you know, some people look at, at, at the spiritual part and they, you know, they say woo 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 woo. They, you know, these people, you know, they just, they don't have anything else so they rely on this. Our guest tonight, you know, he's got his, you know, his, his, his master's from Yale. I saw a doctor, uh, over the weekend who was a neurosurgeon that wrote a book, Proof of Life. 
who talked about, you know, he got meningitis and, and, and he talked about what happened to him uh, in his seven-day coma. And, you know, and, and there's just so many different high-profile smart, smart people that are now getting that message. And when it comes from those people as well, I think it has an impact. I know it is on my husband. Well, you know, you're talking about credibility. You've got people with high professional credibility, whether it's in the fields of education or broadcast or writing. You know, we're talking about some really smart cookies here. You know, it's not your average, you know, party tarot card reader sitting in the back, you know, making predictions. These are people who have a proven track record of thought leadership and, and success. And I'm curious. So how has it affected your household? Well, you know, uh, Roger isn't in the same place as I am, and, and that's okay. But when he when he will will listen to a David Brooks on Oprah, because he, you know, we like David Brooks, and and he reads David Brooks in the New York Times every day. I mean, and he's and he wrote this book on on character and and his what he's doing to kind of save his soul he listens i don't he he doesn't listen to me all the time but when (laughs) when these other um people are talking because he can relate to them he you know he's he's listening and i think it is making a dent and i'm very grateful for that well and i'm grateful for these critical thinkers like you know when you look about um some of the guests we've had you know barry eaton paul selig who's coming on today these are people who have achieved success in critical thinking fields you know that makes me that makes me respect the information a little bit more than i would maybe if it came from another source because when you have a professional career or you have credibility in your field Everybody knows you're not going to jeopardize that on a whim. Like you're not going to just wake up one day and go, okay, now I'm turning over my spiritual leaf and I'm going to change everything. You know, there's usually a lot of thought involved and there's a lot of ego involved. Like that's the thing, you know, I live in Los Angeles where egos run amok. And so to see people who have had a professional track record or a credible track record, you know, such as Paul, to come out and talk about these things, I kind of give a, a, a more critical ear, but also there's a little bit more trust on my end as a credibility factor, because quite frankly, between the internet, television, uh, cable, satellite, you know, it's unbelievable how much information can come at us in a different, you know, in just one calendar day. I get boxes of books from publishers. I get tons of videos to watch and read and, you know, articles to read, everybody under the sun. And this one caught my eye because of his professional credibility. And when I got a copy of his book, I have to tell you, it was a little thick, you know, for me. And I'm a reader, but it was a little thick for me. And I thought, uh oh, here we go. It's going to, you know, be tough to digest. But, you know, Linda, it really wasn't. Granted, I couldn't skim it with a highlighter like I usually do. I actually had to read it by line by line, so it was a little tough for me to slow down, but I could follow it. And that's that's pretty rare in these spiritual books, at least for me. Well, that's great, and that's why I'm really looking forward to our conversation tonight. But, you know, we talk about it every week, how the world is changing. We have the astrologers on and and, and the psyches that talk to, you know, how, the change that happened in, in 2012, how, you know, we, we, we the planets are moving, the, the, the Earth is moving. Everything is moving um, so quickly, you know, and there's so much going on out there, and people are so afraid of what's going on because they can't hold on to what was because we're not going to be able to do that. So if we don't adjust, 
just to what is now, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to the people that can't do that because I think it's really critical that, you know, we just have to say things are changing, things are never going to be the same. We have to protect ourselves. How do we, I'll say, raise our vibration to be able to handle it all? And, you know, and that's, I, I think that that's critical. Well, I think it is too. And, you know, what I've seen in a shift in the spirituality books, you know, from like, you know, a decade ago to now. You know, years ago, Linda, I used to see these things about, oh, develop your psychic powers, do this, do that, you know, meet the man of your dreams, you know, with this and, you know, all these things that were, were centered on the person. And what I see now, and I saw it a lot in Paul's book, was this ability to, like, heighten your, um, you know, heighten your abilities, I guess, you know, the ability to heighten your abilities, there's a circular argument, um, but that it's not only about improving your life, but for the global human. Like, I really think everybody's starting to get that in order to change the world, it has to start with, you know, the one small step. It has to start with you. And that's not something that I've seen until recently in a lot of these in, in a lot of these books. Well, the magic word is, and we had this guest on our show last year who wrote the book Oneness, and now I read it's oneness everywhere, and, and that's what we are. And when we can get back to oneness, because we're everything on the planet we are attached to in one way, shape, or form. So uh, we have, you know, if we can start to realize that and live in love instead of fear, I think we're going to be, we're going to have a heck of a ride. Well, I think we have to. I mean, we clearly, the direction we've been going in for at least the last decade, if not the last, you know, hundred years, certainly hasn't been on an upturn. You know, people aren't waking up in the morning going, isn't this a wonderful world? Isn't this great? Isn't the economy wonderful? Isn't politics fun to watch? You know, it just seems to be getting uglier and uglier. And, you know, the sensationalism of the media, yeah, we get that. It sells papers. It gets viewers to tune in. And, you know, the internet is the, you know, one of the biggest purveyors of this kind of mental or intellectual or spiritual garbage, but that doesn't mean we have to soak it up. That means doesn't mean we have to jump in the bathtub, you know, full of a lot of this, a lot of this way of thinking. No, absolutely not. And, and, you know, we have choices. We have choices what to watch. We have choices what to listen to. We have choices of what we want to do and who we want to associate with. And, you know, if you make the, the choices that work for you, I think you're going to, you're going to be a lot happier. Well, not only will you be a lot happier, but I think you'll reclaim your worth. And that's one of the things that Paul talks about his book. And when we come up after the break, you know, we're going to talk to him in depth for the rest of the show, because there is a tying in of your self-worth. You know, when you think of yourself and you think of, you know, all the times you get beat up in the workday or beat up, you know, with the soccer moms or, you know, wherever you're getting beat up, even if it's just in the media showing you that you're not thin enough or tall enough or you have enough hair or, you know, you can't keep an direction for nine hours. Um, you know, all of these subtle messages tell us that we are not good enough. And one of the things that came across really loud and clear in Paul's uh, book is that when we connect to our divine source, we also are reclaiming our worth or we are stating our worth as part of the divine source. So it's really hard to have poor self-esteem if you accept that you're part of the divine source. So, Well, that, gonna... that's the whole thing. We are. I think we're all, we're all little fragments of, of God, if you want to use that word, or the, or the universe. And, and that's why we're all attached. So we all have that power. All we have to do is learn to access it and live by it. 
Right. And accept it. You know, I listen to Joel Osteen a lot. And one of the things that he says is he said, we are a child. We are. I am a child of the most high God. And whenever I'm like in yoga and I can't keep up with the other person or I start feeling bad, I just go, I am a child of the most high God. I am a child of the most high God. And then I can do like three more downward dogs. And, you know, we are we are all part of the same um, the same yeah. source. And hopefully so, today we can get Paul to do just a, a little bit of channeling to, to give us some information that we may not have heard before. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Paul Selig's coming up after the break. You're not going to want to miss him. He's fantastic. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. LinkedIn. It's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn Lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener, every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. 
Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And from coast to coast, we've got you covered with this is so exciting, Linda. I'm just I'm just so thrilled that we can introduce to everybody today Paul Selig. He's a psychic. He's a medium. He's an award-winning author of channeled texts. And that means that it just like kind of comes in his head and comes out. His fingers are out, you know, through whoever is scribing this. So it's pretty neat. I thought the book was edited. I found out that it was not. So that kind of adds a little juice to the reading. Um, it's very interesting. But, Paul, before we get into your book and your abilities, actually you have three books, but into your books and your abilities, could you give us a little background about yourself? Because you're not your typical medium, <laughs> as well, if there is one. I, yeah, I don't know that there is one. But I'm I'm odd in that I I was raised something of an atheist. I was raised in Manhattan. I was raised not to believe in stuff like this necessarily. And I went to graduate school at Yale. And um, I had an experience shortly after I, I got out of there, and I was about 25 years old, that sort of shook me up a whole lot, and I ended up seeing little lights around people and developing psychically. So, um, you know, that's how I came to this. But I was working very, very quietly at this for many, many years. I was a college teacher. I taught at NYU for a quarter of a century and ran a graduate program at a small college, Goddard, in New England. And I was channeling and doing my psychic work quietly because I kind of, you know, wasn't that keen on being outed. But when my guide started to dictate books through me and Tartar Penguin started to publish them, the jig was up. And then I, you know, since then I've been I've been much more visible in the last, you know, five or six years since the first book came out. Was it a hard sell getting a noted publisher to to publish uh, your work, or oh, or did no, it, it, no, there was no effort involved. I um, the book was channeled, so it's not a written text. I actually the the first book, I am the word, was channeled over the over the course of two and a half weeks wow. and typed up, and those sessions were the book as written chapter and verse. There was no writing at all, and really no editing involved, and the thing was copied at Kinko's and stuck in my suitcase. And the first time I was really asked to channel anywhere outside of my apartment um, was at the Esalen Institute um, in Big Sur, California. There was something called a Center for Theory and Research Conference where I was invited to present my work as a channeler before, you know, other academics and physicists and, um, you know, scholars, writers, and um, the editor-in-chief of, of Tarcher Penguin, Mitch Horowitz, was in attendance at the conference. And he actually took the manuscript back with him on the airplane. And he, I think he wrote me from the airplane saying, this is really very interesting. And when he landed, he said, can you come into my office? And the, the thing was on the stands within six to eight months. There was actually wow. no effort. And the guide said in the book, they said, you know, this is going to be published. It's the first of a trilogy. And it was. They're now on their, their second trilogy. Um, but there's really been no effort with this work at all. I just show up and, and hope that I can hear well because that's my job. I'm the guy who hears. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show you, you know, when, when something is right and you're, you're in the right place, you don't have to work so hard. It, it kind of becomes effortless. It just go. It just comes through you. And if people could just understand that, that you know, it isn't all about hard work and making yourself crazy. It's just being centered, being in the right place, and watch what happens. 
Well, that's been the case for me. I mean, the one thing that I'll say for myself is I've shown up for this work in spite of my own resistance or at times skepticism for for a good long time now. And my abilities were being developed through the doing of them. And I was also being developed in a very quiet way. I was doing a group in my apartment for for many, many years. I wasn't seeking a career at this at all. The fact that that's happened is still a little bit, a little bit of a head-scratcher to me because I was somewhat comfortable in my other work and in my other life. Um, but I do think it's true that, you know, in spiritual work, effort can defeat itself. That's a quote from an old New Thought teacher from the 1920s, and it's, it's still true. Yeah. Tell it, I mean, the first time that you channeled or you heard a voice or however it works for you, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, were you, were you blown away? Did you understand it? Did you, did you like, say, oh, my God, what's, what's going on here? Well, yeah, I did, but not for the reasons, you know, one might think. I, I um, When I was 25, I hit a real wall in my life. I had a list of things I thought I had to have achieved to make me worthy in the world, and I got the whole list, and I was not okay, didn't didn't fix things. And um, I started to pray, I think, really out of sheer necessity um, more than anything else. And one morning I woke up and I asked myself what I could do for myself that day that was positive, and I heard a voice in my head telling me what to do and where to go to clean up my act. And I did it, and I was really surprised. I began to develop as a clairaudience a bit later. Um, I studied a form of energy healing to give me a context for the fact that I was beginning to experience phenomena that, you know, was paranormal by its nature. And I didn't know what was really happening. And I found that when I had my hands on people, I could hear things for them. So if I had my hand in your heart and I heard the name Richard, I learned to say, who's Richard? And you'd say, that's my husband or my son or my father. And that would prompt a release of energy. So it was really through the affirmation from my clients that I began to trust what I was getting. Um, But I was still surprised by it. I wasn't frightened by it because the information that I was getting was always in service of somebody else and their well-being. So there was no fear involved. And channeling, as I do, it isn't like you're hearing a voice in the corner of the room with no body attached. It's really like a voice that fills your head and blocks out all other thoughts. It's the only way that I can explain it. My own thoughts recede to the background, and the voice of my guides steps forward and becomes paramount. And the, the information is not what I would be thinking by myself, you know, it's other language. It's coming with another cadence. And um, and I've learned to honor it over the years. Now, Paul, I have a question. This is Sandra, because, you know, you're a playwright. You know, you you were director of the Master of Fine Arts and Creative Writing Program at Goddard, you know, for, you know, as, I don't know how long you were, but, but you were also on NY, in, at NYU for 25 yeah. years, which, you know, to me is like one of those intellectual powerhouses for creative writing. And mm-hmm. when you channel... 
is it like when you're writing a story and you're deep in the story and like the story takes over and it just like, like for me, it starts to come out my fingers or other writers have said it like the story comes through them. It's not really, they're not even really thinking about it. Does it feel like, I'm just curious to be in your body for a, for a minute. Have you described like what it feels like when the information comes through? You talked about that voice that overpowers everything. Mm-hmm. Is it like when you get in that zone with writing? Is there, is there a familiarity there? No, it's not. It's different because when I'm channeling, I'm taking dictation and I'm taking dictation word for word. So I'm hearing a string of words or a phrase or a sentence. I'm repeating it as fast as I hear it. Sometimes it's a mile a minute. There is a ton of video and recordings of me doing this. It's coming at a lightning pace. And then I hear the next phrase and say it. So I don't know where it's going because I don't have an intention for where it's supposed to go. I know what you're talking about because I've experienced that as well. And I call that inspiration and inspired writing, which is a bit different than, say, channeling, which, at least as I perceive it, is really about the purity of the message. Um, When I was a playwright, and I didn't realize this until many years later when somebody said, did being a playwright prepare you for being a channel? And I thought, I thought that there was no connection whatsoever. But I thought about it when I was young and a playwright. I used to play music on loop. I put the song on loop for hours and I was inducing a trance with that. And then I would allow the writing to come through me. And that's how I did it. But it was a different process because I was actively structuring and thinking about where things go. When I'm channeling a book or when I'm channeling a workshop or a live stream, I show up. I have no idea where it's going to go. I close my eyes. I hear one phrase repeated, and it continues to repeat in my mouth until I give it voice. And then all of the other language comes pouring out after it. Is it patient or is it respectful of your time or does it just say, all right, Paul, it's time to go? It's totally respectful of my time. I mean, they really can't override my free will. I mean, they said with the very first book it would take two weeks. And it would have taken two, it took two and a half weeks because I took a couple of days off to go teach at NYU when I didn't show up for the sessions. Um, otherwise, it would have been two weeks. So, no, I mean, if they know that I'm channeling at 8 o'clock at night, I think they're going to prepare what needs to come through for the amount of time that I'm expected to be present for this work. Um, it doesn't override the free will, but I don't dictate how long the book is going to be or often how long the sessions are going to be. They'll say enough for today, and, and then that's enough. Why do you think they chose you for this message? It's a really good question. You know, I've questioned it. I don't feel terribly special, and I don't see this as, as, as the product of someone special. I think I had developed a facility in some ways for empathy, which is something that I just came in with. I came in very sensitive in this life. And I had psychic experiences when I was a kid that were very distinct, but didn't think of myself as psychic. But I also think that I asked. I I had a spiritual awakening of sorts when I was younger. And I said, I want to go all the way with this. And that seems to be what they've given us is a way of developing. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that, that this has happened, although I don't think it makes me terribly special. 
Well, I think it makes you terribly interesting, and I'm really happy that you're here on Powered Up Talk Radio. We are visiting today with Paul Selig. His current book out that I've been reading, and I think you should take a look at, is The Book of Mastery. Uh, you can find out more about Paul Selig. It's very simple. Go to his website, Paul, P-A-U-L. His last name is pronounced Selig, S-E-L-I-G.com. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the teachings in his uh, channeled text because it's fascinating and it's enlightening and it's empowering. It's all the good things that you would expect to come through a channeled text. You won't be disappointed. More with Paul after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42 Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth LinkedIn, it's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn Lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media. Such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls. Hey, ladies, as promised, we are here with Paul Selig. His book, The Book of Mastery, is available wherever books are sold. It's an exciting book, and it's empowering and uplifting. And, you know, you'll find it something that uh, is very entertaining to read as well. So uh, I encourage you guys to go out and get your own copy. Now, Paul, one of the things that you do in your psychic medium, you know, authoring, channeling text career is that you do private readings. And one of the things you talked about 
early on in today's show was that you put your hand on somebody's heart and then you can hear things. And mm-hmm. Linda, you had a great question over the break um, about how this actually works. No, well, I was just curious because um, uh, it, Paul said on his website that if you if you're working with him um, for an energy healing and you have a particular question or or problem with somebody uh, and you you talk to Paul about it, Paul actually takes on the persona of that other person and. He, you can hear things that you wouldn't hear from the person that you were actually, yeah. you know, living with or, or wanted to, but Paul gets the information and gives it to you, which could be a really big help in any kind of relationship problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can explain what I do. I'm a little odd. I'm a medium for the living. You know, I do work with people that have crossed over, but it's not my primary work. If you're having a problem with your husband and you come to me and you say, I'm having a problem with my husband, I'll say, what's his name? And I'll step into him energetically. And I'll often begin to resemble him or I'll take on his expression, demeanor, and then tell you what I'm hearing. So I'm kind of of like a human switchboard, you know, and then I'm also hearing you and maybe I'll hear you at the personality level, but I'll also hear you perhaps at a higher level where you're saying what you really need in this relationship that's not being met. And I may hear him say the same thing. So there's a whole level of healing that can happen here. I always say I'm not a psychic spy. I actually feel that everybody's sort of party to the conversation that's happening at a higher level on the inner planes or whatever you want to call it. But that's part of my reading practice. The other thing that I do, which is is odd, is that I really do or can somatize or sort of take on the physicality of somebody. I was on a, a TV show on the Bio Channel a couple of years ago called The Unexplained, where I did a fair amount of this, and I was stepping into you know, people's kids that had, say, cerebral palsy or, you know, things things of that nature. And I'll take on the, the stuff. I may not know what you won't tell me what's wrong with them. I'll just sort of step on and you'll see it. So, you know, it's a form of physical mediumship or sort of being empathic, I suppose. But it's another way of accessing information. I mean, I understand it as we're not just our bodies. We're far, far more. And we're always in conversation well beyond this words. I mean, we're having, we're, we're not in the same space. We're having this conversation. You know, a hundred years ago, this would have been perceived of as impossible. You know, in my opinion, you don't even need the bodies or the mouths to be talking. We really all have the capacity to open up at this level because we're all, I think, innately telepathic and we're always using it in varying degrees. What if the other person, like I was thinking about, you know, you're talking about like, you know, with the husband and wife and relationship Mm -hmm. problems, but what if you have like some big old monster block in the middle, you know, like, for example, like me and my ex-husband, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a very contentious, angry separation. Uh Can somebody block you? Like, like, let's say I went in and like, okay, Paul, you know, I want you to, you know, help me smooth things over between my ex-husband and myself, or can they block you? Yeah, once in a while, I'll have somebody who just won't talk on the inner planes, but it's rare. And I, I, when that happens, I always respect it. But, you know, the idea of sort of making things better is often translated as making it better for me so that I feel happy with the outcome. And I can't promise that. You know, what I will say is what's really going on. And I can also hear what may need to be realized or known at a higher level in order to shift the energy between you. And that can be very, very productive and very, very healing. But, you know, I... 
it's not about using this work to manipulate outcomes. I mean, if I get asked to read a board of directors, which occasionally somebody will do, I'll see where they're all coming from and why, just as I tune into them. You can work with that information as you wish, but really it's not about getting your vote swayed. Do you understand? There's a real vast difference here. So, you know, I, I feel I do a lot of work with couples, yes. I do a lot of work with parents who are having problems with their kids. So, you know, that's something that I can do quite quite easily. Paul, it's Linda. If I came to you for a healing, and and because I'm in New York, it's very possible that we're going Uh to meet uh, soon, Um, and I said, well, I have an inordinate fear of something uh, where I can't even remember if I don't think it was from this lifetime, uh, but, you know, if someone is, just for for instance, if someone's this, um, coughing or starting to choke, I, pa- I, I don't even think about it. I just go into panic mode. And yeah. I don't know why, but it's like it's not realistic. Um, if I came to you and said, could we f- see where that came from so maybe we could, I could stop that? Would that yeah. be something that you could do? Perhaps. I mean, it's yeah. something I would certainly be willing to do. I would be tuning into you about this and an aspect of you more than likely would tell me where it was created or my guides would say so they'll often say something when somebody sits down like ask them what happened when they were 12 and i'll go okay what happened when you were 12 around choking and you know that may be a memory or maybe something very very specific the other thing that i might do would be to try to move the energy at your own throat that's going into the sympathetic response which could be memories of choking yourself and um, and that's actually not hard to do. What I don't do is, you know, when people come into my office and they say, tell me who I was in my past life because I think past lives are interesting or sexy. I'm not the guy for that. I will go there if that's what presents. So, for example, if I were to tune into you with that issue and I suddenly saw you dressed as a pilgrim, you know, you know, getting dragged off by a rope, I would <laughs> look like it's this lifetime. And then we would go there. But my 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 personal feeling is if there's stuff that's residual from the past, it's going to show itself in this lifetime because that's where we can work on it. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, so it's not. So you're not really doing past life regression, but if it comes up, it, it's yeah. you know you can de- you can talk about it. Exactly. Same thing with people that have crossed. I mean, if there's something important to be addressed, you know, I can do it. I seem to have a good track record, which surprises me with people that have you know crossed themselves over. I can often hear them pretty well um, for whatever reasons, and other people I don't hear so well. Um, but I tend to hear people as they want to be heard. And so if somebody wants to come through, they will. But I don't call myself a spiritual medium. You know, I also do a good job with kids that, you know, don't have language, people that have locked in syndrome or comas. I seem to be able to hear those people fairly well as, and, you know, people that's been, again, people have, you know, uh, sort of given me the evidence of the accuracy of those readings. So I trust them. That's all I can go on. What are some reasons that people come to you? Like, you know, I look at your stuff and go, okay, you know, I can come up with a whole bunch of problems I have, like anybody, but why would somebody come to you? Like, what are some typical reasons that people seek out your services? Well, I do, you know, understand that I do a couple of things. I channel. 
And those are my guides coming through me and they're teaching. And I do workshops all over the all over the world right now, really, where the guides are actually coming through and they're teaching and they're teaching people how to realize themselves at a much higher level. And, you know, as part of that realization, people often begin to develop some of these abilities as a byproduct, not as the reason they go and sort of move through the blocks in their lives and their relationships. In my practice, I'm doing channeled work as well, but I'm also doing more psychic work. So, for example, you may come to me because, you know, you're stuck in your life um, or, you know, there's an issue that has been perpetuated since childhood that you're not moving or you're having a hard time in your relationship or you've got a huge rage at your boss and you can't move it. I mean, these are the kinds of things I deal with every day. Um, I'm not the guy to tell you what the lucky numbers are for you. I'm not the guy to tell you, you know, I do predictive work in the readings and I've, I've been known to be very accurate with that. But a lot of what I'm doing with people is really support them in moving through the landscape that they're in right now that's causing them challenge um, in order to support them to have a, a higher, a happier, or more realized life. That's what I do. Okay, is, there a, is there a chance that we may get a channeled message tonight? Or do, can you do it on – or it, it just comes into your head. You can't make it happen. Well, you know, I mean, the guy, I once did a book signing in, in, in Asheville, North Carolina, and somebody in the audience said, would your guides give us a message? And they did, and they came through and said, we're not the entertainment. <laughs> that was their answer. <laughs> so, you know, they're here to teach. They often yeah. will come through um, when asked, but usually in response, frankly, to a question that I can't answer, and they can. So, but the, the channel work is different than the readings, perhaps. All right, well, you know, I would, I would love to see, you know, what's going on in the world now, and are we really in this big transition? Is it going to get worse before it gets better? Okay. That's for everybody. Uh-huh. Well, this is, this is to answer now or when we come back. I can well, go. I think we should wait for commercial well, yeah. because we've only yeah, got a minute or wait. so. I'm going to ask a quick question, Paul, though. What's the downside of having these abilities? There's got to be a downside. It can't be all like, you know, champagne and roses. Sure. There's a there's a few of them. You know, I I'm highly sensitive when somebody's angry at me. I feel it. I may not know who it is. You know, um, I feel other people's pain. I don't carry it with me. But I'm, you know, I'm kind of like a, a, a human radio, you know, and I'm always in a broadcast, but I'm also always picking up broadcasts. I don't complain about it, per se. It's it comes with the territory. And as my guides have said to me, you know, for example, when I get upset because I'm feeling somebody talking about me and I say, why are you letting me put up with this? Their answer is, well, when you stop caring about what other people think, it won't be an issue. So, oh, my God, your spirit guy sounds like my mom. <laughs> you know, oh, I need to take us. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I just need to take nope. us to commercial break. That's fine. I'm ready. We're visiting today with Paul Selig. He's a psychic medium and an award-winning author of Channeled Text. That means it comes right through from spirit uh, into the pages of the books created by Tarcher Penguin. You can find the um, his current book wherever books are sold. His website is Paul Selig, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. Now, you're going to want to come back after the break because, as promised, we're going to ask Paul the question about all these shifting, changing things that we talk about every week in the universe 
universe and how it's going to affect us um, as an individual and as a group population. When we come back, more after the break from Paul Selig. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And as promised, we are here with Paul Selig. Now, Paul is a psychic and medium, and he has uh, a couple books out through Tartar Penguin. But one of the things that he does is channeling. And I'm always fascinated by channeling um, because I just think it's so neat to watch. And, you know, I don't mean to make you a spectacle, Paul, but it is kind of neat for those of us that don't channel to watch it in action. Uh, But your way of channeling is unique to you. And I'd like to talk about that before you provide any messages that might come through for either Linda, myself, or the audience today. No, well, thanks. Yeah, you know, I 
I am odd in that when the information comes through me, I whisper the words as they come and then repeat them. So people hear things twice, and sometimes it's coming very, very fast. So occasionally, because I really don't watch other channels work, and I'll see somebody will send me a YouTube clip of somebody sort of, you know, speaking and floating, and it's all so wonderful. And for me, it's a very physical experience of, of taking the dictation. So I always have to say that so people don't think that there's something wrong with the uh, the mic and that they're getting an echo, you know, because I, I've had that happen. Um, so I will say that. Um, and other than that, you know, usually the guides will come through, as I've said, with something that when, when there's a question that I can't answer. But you asked about, you know, what was happening in the world. And I'll say this first and then see if they want to pipe in with anything. I mean, they've said since their first book, and this is now book four, that humankind is at a time of reckoning. And they call a reckoning a facing of oneself and one's creations. And that means we're really looking at having to look at what we've created and how we want to change, because this is an enormous opportunity for that. And truthfully, if we don't, we could be in some big trouble. I think it's all in front of us right now. The guide's message has always been extremely hopeful for all of us. You know, they believe that we're in a time of ascension. You know, which is essentially that the energy here is lifting and we're being asked to lift with it to a sort of a new a new way of being. So that's how I understand what they've said in the past. But I'm going to see if they want to sort of add that we'd like to. And they're actually saying we would like to. We would like to clarify something. We would like to clarify something. Clarify something. Each one of you here. Each one of you here has chosen to incarnate at this time, at this time, to know more of what you are, to know more of what you are, of what you are live, how you may live, how you may be, how you may be, how you may claim your true selves, how you may claim your true selves, the divine self, the divine self, the truth of who and what you are, seeks expression, seeks expression, expression as and through you, as and through you, and this will be so, and this will be so, as you say, yes, I may, as you say, yes, I may, yes, I may choose, yes, I may choose, yes, I may claim, yes, I may claim, yes, I may be as I truly am, yes, I may be as I truly am, not as I was taught to be, not as I was taught to be, or believed myself to be, or believed myself to be, but as I truly am, but as I truly am, each one of you here, each one of you here, like it or not, like it or not, is natural expression is an active expression of the divine, of the divine, seeking to know itself, seeking to know itself in fullness, in fullness, as you give permission this, as you give permission for this, for this, you claim it, you claim it, you self-identify with what you truly are, you self-identify with what you truly are, with what you truly are, and your life begins to transform, begins to transform, to recognize this as so, to recognize this as so, the plane that you exist in, the plane that you exist in, yes, is in change. Yes, is in change, but how you change individually, but how you change individually in this new claim of truth, in this new claim of truth is what signals the whole plane, is what signals the whole plane to recognize its divinity, to recognize its divinity. You're all here to be. You are all here to be as you truly are, as you truly are, you all divine beings, and you are all divine beings, whether or not you agree to not, whether or not you agree to it or not or not period and they're saying period wow well that's a beautiful message well it's, it's consistent with what they've yeah. been teaching since the beginning so that's yeah. you know, 
that's what they're coming through with right now. Yeah. Paul, is it tiring for you when that comes through? Like, do you find it exhausting after, or does it deplete you or energize you? It depends. Um, you know, when I'm channeling a book, I'm I'm moving so much energy through me, but it's not necessarily tiring. But I'm odd. I'll channel for five hours a day in a workshop, and I'll do it for when I go to Esalen now. I'll charge. I'll channel for seven days straight, five hours a day, and you know it's that is exhausting. But at Esalen, you get to go climb into a hot tub and get a massage and eat really great. <laughs> you know, so it's okay. Um, it's physically tiring because when I'm channeling and I'm on my feet, which is much of the time, I don't move in my body the way that I normally move. And truthfully, if I wasn't repeating everything twice, I think it would take a lot less energy. And they have been more and more working with me to do it without the repeat. But in a way, the repeating allows me to be in interrogation to the content of the channeling. I get to hear it and go, hey, wait a minute. Um, and I do. And that's actually in the books, too. I've been known to interrupt the channelings to say, hey, wait a minute, what's really going on here? And then they'll have to answer. Do you find when you're channeling that, you know, are you thinking about, like, I'm curious about your brain, like what's going on mm-hmm. when you do this? You've got this voice coming through, it's overpowering, mm-hmm. but yet you're still able to think about what they're saying in order to interrupt and ask a question. I hear it on the repeat. I can, I'm sort of, I get it when I say it aloud. When I channel and I'm not doing the repeat, I remember next to nothing of it, which is a little frightening to me, truthfully, and not because I think it's bad, but it's a feeling of being kind of out of control. So what I'm thinking about often is what's for dinner. I'm thinking about, you know, you know what I have to do tomorrow. I mean, there's a part of me. The guides say this. It's funny. In the first book, they say, you know, we're sending Paul out like to the shed in the back with a magazine and we're going to continue. And that's where they'd like me. They'd like me in the outhouse or taking a nap so that they can just deliver. And that's actually fine. When it happens that way, I'm actually pleased about it. Well, and I'm just curious because neither neither voice sounds like you. You know, one sounds very English. The other one sounds, you know, very different. So, you know, when you were channeling, I didn't think of it as you at all, even though you're repeating. It seemed like, you know, there were two buddies sitting next to each other echoing. Well, the, the, the whisper is the same voice. It's just softer. The accent is more pronounced and louder. But I hear it pretty much the same way. But, you know, when I'm channeling, you know, very often when in my workshops, my eyes actually change color. They, I have dark eyes. Um, they, they turn bright blue when I'm working at times. So there's a whole physical thing that happens here, which is sort of really beyond my understanding. I know it's. I, I need to ask questions, but I, I'm just so, I'm so, t- I'm so taken back by all of this that you know my mind got to be a blank because I, I love the message so much. I mean, Sandra, you heard the message. Um, and that's what this is about. It's everybody to claim their own divinity and how special they are. And, you know, I'm there. I'm, I'm working toward that. And, but I know so many people that, you know, fighting, fighting against it. Yeah. And, um, I, I can't understand why because it's so beautiful. Well, I understand why, because I suffer from that too, which is, which is, you know, we live in a world that tells us we're unworthy of this. 
I mean, the belief in I would I mean, I wasn't raised a Catholic, but original sin or the belief that we're not worthy of our own innate divinity or you have to go through some kind of intercessor. You know, the guides say they the guides say that the divine they call it different things. They call it the the divine self, the eternal self, the Christ itself, that aspect of the divine, which is in each being seeks to be awakened and recognized. And, you know, for those of us that were told for whatever reasons that we're not allowed, that's a challenge. And we live in a culture that pretty much says it can't be so. So as more of us awaken to the possibility that it can be so and is so, it helps everybody else as well. So would you say that everything that's happening in the world right now, from you know, from from the climate to the to the terrorism to the stock markets that are crazy and people are worried about losing all of their money, is is this forcing them? Do you think to go inside to to recognize that? You know, I think what I think it's an opportunity to. Is that the reason for it? I don't know. But, I mean, the guides say, you know, if you consider yourself a victim, you can't be in your mastery. And that's the teaching of the new book. So I think that we're living in a time of great change. And I think that there's also a lot of resistance to to moving beyond what we've known and we're experiencing that. But we're also experiencing the sum total of a lot of collective agreements that one life is worth more than the next, which is insane if you think about it, um, you know, and that we're not allowed to to know each other in our true worth. Paul, I think that if if nothing else that the listeners take away today and what I'm going to take away from from reading your book, The Book of Mastery, is about your own worth. And that was so powerful. It struck me, you know, as somebody who spent 25 years branding and creating one product better than another, you know, you talk about that in your book. We've done that as human beings. And in the ability to monetize, you know, people's emotions, we've set it up so that one perfume or one shampoo or shoe, you know, makes you somehow worthy or more worthy than somebody else. And I love that your message is a universal worthiness of all of us and that that we don't have to do anything special. We don't have to jump through any hoops to be part of our own divinity. You've given us permission to connect with our source without having to jump through these human conditions. You know, the guides say in almost every workshop that they run, I don't know if this is in a book, in one of the books yet, but they say, you know, you were born, you have a right to be here. You already have the ticket. You were born. You have the right to be. And everything else is sort of claiming that your own worth can be reflected in the life that you live because we only claim what we believe that we can have. We're visiting today with Paul Selig. His books are I Am the Word, The Book of Love and Creation, The Book of Knowing and Worth, and finally, The Book of Mastery, the one that I've been reading and we're talking about today. You can find more about Paul at paulselig.com. Thank you, Paul. You've been an outstanding guest. You blew my mind. Linda's too. I can always tell when she's speechless. It's hard to do. And we'll be back, you guys. This is Sandra Beck from Powered Up Talk Radio and Linda Franklin. We'll talk to you again next week.
We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and 